Let's turn to Acts chapter 17 this morning. Acts chapter 17, and uh, let's start reading from verse 5, just to pick up the context this morning, and then we'll open with a word of prayer. Acts chapter 17 and verse 5, it says, But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them lewd, uh, certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and the souls of the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received, and, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. When they had taken security of Jason, and of the other they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Holy Father, we do indeed thank you for this most wonderful day. We thank you for another opportunity to be together in this place, for another opportunity to, to come together as believers and to sing praise into your name and uh, to come around your word. And Lord, we pray this morning you would Speak to our hearts, that you would teach us from your word, that Lord, you would instruct us, that Lord, we'd have open and receptive hearts to your word this morning. Lord, empower me through the Spirit this morning, give me wisdom and guidance to speak, and Lord, we pray that you be honoured and glorified in everything we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, we looked last week at uh, Acts chapter 17, we looked at the first nine verses here, verse 1 to 9, and, and we saw, of course, the beginning of the church at Thessalonica. And we saw how Paul and his team had entered into the synagogue and they'd preached there. They'd been given leave to preach for three Sabbaths in the synagogue before they were banned. And they'd seen a multitude saved and a church established. And the majority of those who got saved were, of course, uh, God-fearing Gentiles. Okay? It was the, the Gentiles who received, most of the Jews rejected the message. Indeed, it was the Jews who then caused the uproar, as we just read, verse 5 to 10. Uh, the Jews caused the city to be an uproar. They, they hired uh, lewd menaces of the base of sword, okay, these, these thugs, to stir the city up against Paul and his missionary team. And so, once again, Paul and his team are forced to leave the city in haste. And, you know, this really is a, a pattern, isn't it, okay, of their, their missionary work. You know, Paul has already been required to depart on haste on, a numer on numerous occasions, now, in chapter 9, he had to flee from Damascus not long after getting saved, and also from Jerusalem. In chapter 13, he had to flee from Pisidia. And then in chapter 14, it was from Lystra. And then in chapter 16, just before this, he was in Philippi, of course, arrested, thrown in jail, and when he got out, they had to leave again, didn't they? They had to leave the city of Philippi. And so this is a pattern of Paul's ministry, of his uh, missionary journeys and his companions as well. And so he's forced once again to flee the city of Thessalonica. You know, Paul and his companions, they certainly lived the truth of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, which says, All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, Paul wrote those words and he wrote it from experience, didn't he? Okay? He experienced that truth, living godly for Christ, suffering persecution. 
And so in verse 10, we read that under the cover of darkness, Paul and Silas now are sent away by the brethren unto Berea. Let's just read verse 10. It says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. And so they sent them away under the cover of darkness. If you like, get them out of the city while no one's looking. And they sent them to this city of Berea. Now, Berea was approximately 70 kilometers to the southwest okay, of Thessalonica. Uh, 70 kilometers to the southwest. And, and it was a city that was out of the way. Okay, what we mean by that is it wasn't on the main trade routes. It wasn't on the, the main thoroughfare, the main highway, if you like. It was out of the way. Okay, up until this point, uh, as we saw last week, Paul and his team, they were traveling on the, the main road, weren't they? The Ignatian Way, the Roman road that stretched right across Macedonia. But now they leave that main road, they depart from it, and they head southwest down to this little city of Berea. Now, they probably chose Berea because of the fact it was out of the way. You know, it's a place of refuge, if you like. Let's get away and get somewhere quiet for a bit and, and minister away from uh, these ones who are chasing them, in a sense. We'll see they'll catch up with them uh, in the passage this morning. So, we, so they find themselves now in this, this small little city out of the way. But, you know, it's here in this little city that, that Paul and his team are met with a refreshing change. It really is a refreshing change. From everything they've experienced before, they now are met with this refreshing change because what they find is an audience that's receptive. They find a, an audience of Jews, in particular, who are receptive and open to the message that they have to preach. And so this morning we want to consider uh, the ministry among the Bereans. Now, so notice first this morning we see the, the searching of the scriptures the searching of the scriptures verse 10 it says and the brethren immediately sent paul and silas by night unto berea who coming thither went into the synagogue of the jews these were more noble than those in thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so verse 10 the second half there tells us that they Upon entering into Berea, what do they do? They go to the synagogue. We're not surprised by that anymore, are we? Okay, as we said last week, this is Paul's pattern. This is his uh, custom. Okay, his manner of ministry he would enter into the synagogue. You know, they'd just been forced out of the city by the Jews, haven't they? Okay, they'd just been forced out of the city by uh, the, the Jewish brethren. But that doesn't stop them from, in this new place, straight away going and finding the Jewish brethren and again beginning the ministry, you know. Paul never lets anything stop him, does he? Never lets anything hinder his work. Straight away, he's back to it. Straight away, he's in the synagogue preaching to the Jews. But there is an immediate difference here in the synagogue at Berea. You see, rather than the Jewish community here rejecting outright the teaching of Paul concerning Christ, we're told that they receive it with an open mind. Okay? Basically, every city that Paul's been to, he's preached in the synagogue, and the majority of the Jews reject it outright, don't they? Okay? The majority of the Jews have a very closed mind. But here, he finds a community of Jewish brethren who are open-minded. Luke com compares them to the Thessalonians at the start of verse 11. Okay, remember, Luke's writing the book of Acts, and Luke says, in verse 11, he says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. He says they're more noble. 
The word noble here can, of course, refer to those who are born into the upper classes. Okay, that's what the word is. It's noble. Okay, in the Greek, as we see it here in the English. But it also speaks of uh, excellent moral character. Okay, and that's how it's used here. Okay, it's used speaking about the Bereans' excellent moral character. And in particular, what stands out about these these Jewish brethren here is that you know that um, sorry is the way that they received the word. That's what stands out about them. That's why Luke says that they were more noble. It's because of the way that they received the message. You see, he goes on in verse eleven. He says these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searching the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They received the word with all readiness of mind. Now the phrase readiness of mind here is translated from a single Greek word. And that Greek word indicates zeal or eagerness, excitement. And so in the context here, it's used to suggest that there is an excitement, there is an enthusiasm, a zeal to hear Paul speak. Okay, that's a, that's a nice change, isn't it? Okay? Paul has a group of people who have a zeal and eagerness to hear the message. A stark contrast indeed to Thessalonica, okay, where the majority of the Jews didn't want anything to do with Paul. As I said, he got three chances in the synagogue, but then he was barred from the synagogue. And so it's a stark contrast, isn't it? What we find here in the city of Berea. The Bereans are, Bereans, sorry, are eager to hear the message. And they listen intently. You know, by the same token, they don't just blindly accept what Paul's saying. This is the thing that sets them apart, doesn't it? Okay? They're eager to hear, but they don't just blindly accept it. We're told that they searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So they're, they're eager to hear, but then they take what Paul's saying and they're searching God's word to see if it's true. The word searched here means to investigate, to ex- examine, to inquire into or to scrutinize. It's the same word that's used elsewhere in the word of God to speak about judicial investigation. Okay, For instance, at Christ's trial before Pilate, we're told that Pilate examined him. Okay. Uh, Luke 23, verse 14, that's the same word, okay? This idea of searching, examining, okay, investigating. It's the same Greek word that's also used in Acts chapter 4 and verse 19 when Peter and John are examined by the Jewish council, okay? Again, it's that idea of uh, investigating, to find out the truth, to find out the facts. And so that's the point here. The Bereans are investigating the word of God to see if what Paul says is true. They're investigating. They're they're searching the Scriptures. They're putting Paul's teaching to the test. You know, basically what Paul's teaching them is something new, isn't it? Okay, as Paul says elsewhere in the New Testament, it was a mystery before now. It was hidden. Okay, so it's new to these Jewish brethren. But instead of being closed-minded, they're open-minded. They're receiving it with zeal, but they're also testing it according to God's Word. They're making sure that it's true that it matches up with the Old Testament scriptures. I think it's important we also note here that the verse states that they searched the scriptures daily. They searched the scriptures daily. You know, daily they're coming together and they're searching God's word. Daily they're examining Paul's teachings. 
You know, the implication seems to be here that they're, they're meeting together in the synagogue or in someone's house daily, you know, each day of the week. They're, such is their zeal for the truth, they're now getting together daily to examine this and also probably daily to hear from Paul. You know, they're saying we want to hear more. He's teaching them at the same time they're examining it on a daily basis. They're not merely meeting on the Sabbath. You know, we get a sense for their zeal here, don't we? Their eagerness to really understand and know the truth because they want to obey God. That's what their zeal is here, isn't it? Okay? Their real passion is to obey God and if what Paul is saying is true, they want to obey God in that too. And so have a real passion, a real zeal and they're getting together daily to examine the word. You know, the Bereans truly are an, a great example to all of us, aren't they? They're a great example to all of us as believers. They're an example of eagerness to search and know the truth. I mean, that should be the hallmark of every single one of us as believers. That we have a passion for the word of God. That we have a, a zeal to know what God's word says. To know the truth. You see, it should be a matter of priority for every single one of us. You know, Job said in Job chapter 23 and verse 12, he said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth, that's God's mouth, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job understood the importance of God's word, didn't he? He says God's words are more important than food. God's words are more of a necessity to me each day than food. You see, that should be true for us as believers, shouldn't it? We should have a desire to search the word of God daily. Search the scriptures daily. Have a zeal for God's word. It should be more important to us than anything else, as Job says. It's a necessity, isn't it? And it is something that is more of necessity each day than anything else. The point is everything else should take second place, shouldn't it? God's word should have first place in our hearts, in our lives. It should, should have a priority every single day for us. There should be an eagerness, a zeal to spend time in the Word. Now, the reason for that, of course, is that you know, we should have a desire to obey God. And where do we find out what God says in His Word, don't we? And so we need to have a zeal to spend time in His Word. And as we spend time in the Word, our relationship with God deepens, doesn't it? Our fellowship with him is sweeter. Our fellowship with our Savior is sweeter. You know, John chapter 17 and verse 17, it says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You see, the word of God sanctifies us. It, it's the thing that produces change, doesn't it? As it says in Corinthians, as we read the word of God, the Holy Spirit changes us from glory to glory. You see, sanctification comes through the word. And so as believers... We need, like the Bereans, to have a zeal to search the Scriptures daily. You know, the Bereans are also an example of how we should react to the teaching, you know, or new teaching that's pressed upon us. Now, whether that's from the pulpit, or whether it's from a Christian book that we might pick up and read, you and I need to react like the Bereans. You see, we need to examine that doctrine, that teaching according to the scriptures and see whether those things are so as the verse says search the scriptures daily whether those things were so that's an example for us isn't it not to just blindly accept the teaching of god's word even even the preaching here on sunday we should have a zeal to search it during the week and 
see for ourselves that truth that's being declared from the pulpit. Especially when we hear something that we haven't heard before, we need to take it and test it against God's word, don't we? Especially if we pick up a Christian book and it's something maybe we haven't heard before. Test it against the word of God. Test it to see whether these things are so. If it doesn't match up, then it's false doctrine, isn't it? If it doesn't line up with God's word, then it's wrong. And that's what the Bereans did. And that's the example that we see here for us today. To test everything according to the word of God. And as a result of this, as a result of their diligence, their, their love, their zeal, their passion for the word of God, and their zeal to study it and test these things, the result is that many of them get saved. And that's the second point here this morning, the salvation of the Bereans. The salvation of the Bereans. Look at me in verse 12. It says, Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women which were Greeks, and of men not a few. You know, verse 12 clearly tells us that the end result of this diligent comparison of Paul's teaching with the Old Testament scriptures was that many of them believed. It says, therefore, as a result of this, many of them believed. You see, many of the the members of the synagogue here, members of the Jewish community, that's what we're talking about here. Many of the Jews in Berea believed the gospel message and got saved. Now, you compare this with verse 4, which speaks about the result in Thessalonica, okay? Just read verse 4. It says, And some of them believed, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Now read again verse 12. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. Do you see the difference there? Verse 4, speaking about Thessalonica and speaking about the Jews, it says, some, some believed. That was the case in most cities. But here we read in Berea, we read many of them believe. Many of them believe. Many of them accept the truth. In in Thessalonica, it was only a small group of Jews who got saved. The multitude there is Greeks, isn't it? Okay, in verse 4, the multitude of people who get saved are Gentiles. Some of the Jews got saved. But here we see a totally different response, don't we, in Berea. It straight away says, therefore, many, many of them believe the truth. You see, the Bereans' belief in Christ was a direct result of their attitude towards the word of God. That's that's why it resulted like this. It was their attitude towards God's word. This was the difference between them and their Jewish brethren back at Thessalonica. You see, they demonstrated a teachable spirit, didn't they? had a teachable spirit towards the things that they found to be in accordance with God's word. They weren't closed-minded or biased, were they? You know, the, the Jews in Thessalonica, they were basically closed-minded. Okay? As soon as Paul started saying, the Old Testament scriptures say this about the Messiah, and Jesus fulfills this, they closed their ears. They didn't want to hear it. No, surely not. Our Messiah is not going to die and be buried and rise again. That can't be our Messiah. They were closed-minded, weren't they? But the Bereans here, they didn't do that. They heard the message and they searched the scriptures to see whether it was so. And when they saw that what Paul taught matched up with God's word, they believed. 
They had the appropriate response, didn't they? They received the truth. You see, it was this teachable spirit, this high regard for the word of God that made all the difference. You know, you get the sense that they held God's word up a lot higher than the Thessalonians did. Okay, the Thessalonians, even though it was pointed out to them, they didn't want to know about it. The Jews there, I mean. But here in Berea, these Jewish brethren, they hold God's word up with great regard, don't they? They had a desire to obey the truth of God's word, even if that truth was something they hadn't seen before. As we said, before now, the gospel was a mystery, wasn't it? Okay, Paul's revealing something to them that was hidden, to the prophets even. They didn't see this. But the Bereans were open to that. And when they saw that truth, they believed that truth. In Psalm 119, verse 130, it it tells us that the word of God opens our eyes. It, It enlightens us. Just turn over there, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 130, it says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. The word of God gives light. It it gives us understanding. It opens our eyes. It provides enlightenment. And that's exactly what happens for the Bereans, isn't it? Paul's teaching them something and they go and search God's word. And what does God's word do? It opens their eyes to the truth. It enlightens them. And so they respond in faith. As Romans 10 verse 17 declares, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. And that's what happens for the Bereans. They heard the word of God, and it produced faith. Indeed, the Bereans, they heard the truth, and they responded. As we said before, this was the difference between them and the Thessalonian Jews, wasn't it? Great contrast. You know, both cities, both synagogues were given the same opportunity to believe. You can guarantee that Paul's message was almost the same in both places. Given the same gospel message. But in one city it leads to faith and salvation. In the other it leads to hard hearts, doesn't it? And it leads to them rejecting and them turning against the messages and turning the whole city against the messengers of the truth. You know, sadly, the response to the gospel is still the same today, isn't it? It's still the same. You see, there will always be people who are closed-minded to the truth. They don't want to know. It doesn't matter how much you tell them the truth, they don't want to know. They've already decided to reject it. They don't want to listen. They're closed-minded to the truth. But then you meet others who are open, aren't they? They're teachable. They want to know. They want to hear the message. And so when God's word is preached, they're more ready to respond, aren't they? The first lot are a lot harder to get through to. The second group are like the Bereans. They're a lot more open to the truth. But you know, regardless, our responsibility is still the same, isn't it? To faithfully preach the word. Because without preaching the word, no one can come to Christ. Now, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 12, what does he tell Timothy? He says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering. It's the preaching of the word that opens men's eyes to the truth. And so no matter who the audience is, we still have a responsibility to preach the truth, just like Paul and his missionary team. And let, let the Lord soften their hearts. Sometimes it's a tougher crowd, but the holy word of God can do the work, can't it? The end of verse 12, 
makes it clear that it's not only Jews who come to the Lord in Berea. Just turn back there, verse 12 of Acts 17. It says, Therefore many of them believed, also of honourable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. Makes it clear here that it's not just the Jews who believe in Berea. Once again, we have a, a large group of Gentile men and women who come to the Lord. And once again, as we saw at Thessalonica, Luke highlights the fact that among these Gentiles is these honourable women, okay, these prominent women. Okay, the term honourable here refers to influential women of the upper classes, basically saying some of the nobles in the city got saved. Okay? Influential people, high-ranking people within the city. Now, later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, Paul would write this. He'd say, For ye see your calling, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, Paul highlighted later on the fact that not many noble come to the Lord. Not many of that higher class get saved. Why is that? It's because they're, they're, so they're, because, sorry, their obstacle before them is their position, isn't it? It's their power. It's their wealth. Yeah, we can praise God that some still do get saved. We see that here in Thessalonica and in Berea. Some of these ones with high positions come to the Lord in faith. We also see that some Greek or Gentile men get saved as well. And we know that one of these men goes on to be a a faithful servant and to to travel with Paul. His name is Sopater. Go over to Acts chapter 20 with me. Acts chapter 20 and verse 4. It says, And there accompanied him into Asia, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, uh, and Gaius of Derby, and Timotheus, and of Asia, Tychius, and Trophimus. Okay, so you had this man mentioned here, Sopater of Berea. Okay, so this man got saved under Paul's ministry, and then he travels with Paul. Okay, he's going with Paul here in Acts Chapter 20, he's going with Paul to Jerusalem. He may also be the same man who's mentioned in Romans chapter 16, verse 21, sending greetings to the church at Rome or to the believers there in Rome. Go to uh, Romans 16 with me. Romans 16 and verse 21, it says, Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sospater, my kinsmen salute you. That so, Sispater there, they believe is the same man. The point is that you know Paul and his companions had a profitable ministry here in Berea, didn't they? You've got this large multitude of Jews who are receptive to the truth get saved. You've got these high-ranking officials, these high-ranking women getting saved, and you've got these men who get saved as well. And these men are a faithful men in the ministry, profitable to Paul, even on his missionary journeys. It was a place, Berea was a place where the response to the preaching of the word was overwhelmingly positive. It was a great place to be, great place to minister. The people are receptive. You know, trouble once again wasn't very far away, was it? And that's our last point this evening, this morning, the stirring up of strife, the stirring up of strife. Just go back to Acts chapter 17 and read from verse 13 with me. It says, but when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. 
Now, we're not told how long Paul and his companions had to minister there in Berea. It could have been a few weeks. It might even be a couple of months. But, you know, eventually the, the Jews in Thessalonica, they learned where Paul was. They heard on the grapevine or something, he's down in Berea. And so they come to town and they seek to stir up the people. As it says there in verse 13, uh, as at the end there, they came thither also and stirred up the people. They come to town to cause problems, to, to stop Paul's ministry. You know, it makes sense that opposition came. Because, you know, Satan certainly would not have been happy with what was happening in Berea. You know, Satan's never happy to see you know, God's word going forth, to see people getting saved, to see people making decisions for him and living for him. Satan doesn't like that. Satan wouldn't have liked what was taking place in Berea. And so you find these unbelieving Jews now coming from Thessalonica. And what are they doing? They're doing the work of Satan, aren't they? Whether they know it or not, that's what they're doing. They're doing his work. They've come to town to stop the work of the Lord, the God that they supposedly serve. They're doing the work of Satan. And they come to town and they seek to use the exact same tactics that they did in their hometown to drive Paul out. They stir up the people against Paul, which is exactly what they did in Thessalonica. Verse 14 tells us that when the Berean believers saw this, they sent Paul away very quickly. It says, And then immediately the brethren sent Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still you know perhaps they feared a riot you know perhaps they knew what had happened in Thessalonica and they fear that that's going to happen here as well but they act quickly don't they as soon as trouble starts to brew they act quickly and they they protect Paul they get Paul out of town and they get Paul to travel down to Athens now the text here is not clear exactly how he traveled to Athens whether it was by sea or over land and the reason for that is that the phrase in verse 14 where it says, and then immediately the brethren sent Paul away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. That phrase, to go, as it were, to the sea, it implies that they deliberately misled the would-be pursuers by pretending that they took Paul down to the sea and put him on a ship. When in actual fact, they conducted him, verse 15, they conducted Paul um, sorry, and they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens. They conducted him by land. Okay? That seems to be the indication of the passage here, that this is a, a ruse. Okay? They make out they've taken him to the sea, but in fact they've taken him over land, down to Athens instead. And a lot of commentators read it that way, but there are others who read it as simply he went by sea. Okay? So that's why I said it's not clear as to which way it is here. Okay? There seems to be an indication that it's a ruse, but... Either way, Paul ends up in Athens. Okay? Whether he goes over land or he goes by sea, he ends up in Athens, which is 500 kilometres to the south. If he went over, over land, it would have taken a couple of weeks at least to get there. Okay? If he goes by sea, it probably still would have taken a while because it's on the ocean you know, with wind and all that kind of stuff back then. But either way, it's 500 kilometres to the south and he leaves Silas and Timothy there in Berea, as it says at the end of verse 14. Uh, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. You know, they probably stayed behind to continue the work, you know, to disciple these new believers. You know, probably they weren't in danger like Paul. Paul seems to be the one everyone's targeting, doesn't he? Okay? All the attention is on Paul. 
And so Silas and Timothy, they stay and they continue the work for a period of time. And then verse 15 tells us that when Paul is in Athens, he sends word for Silas and Timothy to come swiftly and join him. It says in verse 15, And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment under Silas and Timotheus, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. So he sends word back to Silas and Timothy. He says, come swiftly, come and join me. And the reason for that becomes clear from verse 16. It says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Paul arrives in Athens and what he arrives to is a city that's full of idolatry. Everywhere you look. You know, as, you know, as we know from history, it was a place with many temples, okay? many temples to all these false gods. And, and Paul is looking at the situation and he says, I need help. He says, I need help. This is, a, this is a great work that needs to be done and I need you to come swiftly and join me. You know, Paul's time among the Bereans wasn't very long, was it? It was very swift. Indeed, only six verses in this passage, refer to the city of Berea. We only have these six verses referring to these wonderful brethren. But you know, the ministry among the Bereans and their reaction to the gospel message has left a lasting impression down through the ages, hasn't it? You know, how many churches down through the ages have called themselves Bereans? Okay, the Berean Baptist Church or wherever it might be. There's, you, you Google it, there is churches all around the world who have taken the title Berea or Berean. The reason is because they left such an impression upon the pages of God's word and upon our hearts, our minds as we read this. The example that they set, they received the word with all readiness of mind. They searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. True, that is an example, isn't it, for all of us to follow. You know, searching the scriptures daily to see what, uh, whether you know, what God's word says, to understand the truths of God's word, the doctrines of God's word, so that we might then be changed to be more like him. Well, we need to follow the example of the Bereans, don't we? You know, they're, they're a wonderful little you know, passage, aren't they? These, these six verses, these wonderful believers who search the word of God on a daily basis. And because of it, they came to the truth, didn't they? Well, we need to, like them, even after salvation, search the scriptures daily. Follow the example of the Bereans. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for, Lord, the Bereans. We thank you for the example, Lord, their, their passion, their zeal for your word, Lord, which led them to search it daily to, to see whether what Paul was teaching them was true. Lord, I pray you would help us all to have a zeal and a passion for your word, to search the scriptures daily, to understand the truths contained therein so we might obey your word lift you, be honour you and glorify you with our lives. Lord, may you help us, Lord, when we hear doctrine to test it according to your word, just like the Bereans. Lord, may you bless now as we close. May we remember the example of these wonderful believers this morning. In Jesus' name.